Hello, Thirst Buckets. You know, we're taking a break right now. We're going to come back and we're going to be refreshed and have some of the most intense thirsting you've ever heard. But until then, we're sharing some of our favorite episodes from over the years. In this one, we are talking about Ryan Coogler, Bay Area Bay, the cutie behind the camera. You know, he's still relatively new to the scene, but he has left an indelible mark on the history of film. And we love him for it, especially since he seems to be so nice. And, you know, he's also a cutie pie. So enjoy. And we'll be back with a brand new episode next week. I want to go with Ryan Coogler. Take him to the find the biggest. He'll ask me, do you think it's enough? And I'll say, let's find out. Hey. (laughs) Hi, Bill. Hi, Nicole. How are you? Do you know what? I'm caught in this ridiculous thing of having a summertime cold or a springtime cold Mm -hmm. and severe hay fever. Okay, okay. But the thirst remains alive and strong and I'm grateful. Well, you look beautiful today. Do you know what? Thank you. I really tried. (laughs) I I, I brushed my hair and everything. I styled it this morning. Aww. <laughs> don't you hate that when you're like I dying inside and someone's <laughs> like oh my god you look amazing you today. look so great it's like oh fuck you yeah. how are you nicole i'm good i mm. was on the subway ride from hell sure. um part 5011 today <laughs> um it's my favorite black number together we're just gonna be on those bad trains dying inside however i've got something that's gonna make us come alive you want to know what it is what is it it's the new episode of thursday kid all right woohoo so today's uh, first subject is someone who just makes me giggle when I think about him and his oh, talent yeah. and his face. He makes me voice. blush. Fam. <laughs> I feel like such a strong attraction to him. Yeah. Utterly respectful. Of course. By the way. Yes. I just want good things for him. Always. But I just fancy him with like every part of my body fancies every part of his. Yeah. And, and who is that? Oh my god, it's Ryan Coogler, the director, the beauty, the goddess. Ah, I love him. I just love yeah, him. Ryan Coogler. And this is a little different from what our what we usually do because we tend to stick with movie stars or TV yes, stars. Yes. But this is someone who is traditionally behind the camera. Uh-huh. That's what makes him hot. Yeah. Because you only really get glimpses of him. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> he knows when to step out from behind the camera. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Let me just stretch real quick and warm up my muscles. Yes, Ryan. Ugh. So uh, yes, he's he's like a a young hot director just mm-hmm. making exceptional movies mm-hmm. and saying exceptional fucking things mm-hmm. and also having the audacity to have the face that he has. Right. Which feels like an extra disrespect to me. And that's why he's worthy mm. of getting an entire episode yes. of Thirst Aid Kit dedicated yeah. to him. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go. Let's go. How often do you think about movie directors as like first objects? Never. <laughs> wow, that was succinct and swift. <laughs> Never. Because they're not really in that realm, are they? I mean, first of all, they tend to be older white men. Yes. That's uh, true. By the time I get to a point where I'm paying attention to the director, I mm-hmm, should say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're just kind of lauded as these geniuses, mm-hmm, right? And mm-hmm. usually you find out that their genius is just hiding abusive behavior. Hey, listen. <laughs> mm. 
To be honest, like even the young white men directors, mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, mm, it's nothing there for me to yeah. even. So it's not even so much like the age thing because we're not ageist on this show. No. Shout out to Zaddies. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we can we can recognize a director's talent right. from a distance, mm-hmm. whatever they are. But I don't think they necessarily come up as thirst objects. Like you, right. ne- you never look at, well, you rarely look at a director and kind of go, mm, yes, break me off a piece. Right. And yet, in mm. comes Ryan Coogler. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm actually at a loss for words. I find him so attractive. He's the actually Bay Area Bay. Listen. Listen when I tell you. Wow. I just... Man. Um, part of it, not only is he cute, mm-hmm. he's got this cute little teddy bear face. Oh, my God. But it's also like... A grown man face, yes. you know? Yes, I do know. <laughs> and then he's got that voice. That voice. The accent. Hey. And he doesn't code switch. He doesn't code switch. We'll we'll get into all of this a little code later. Code switch but, for what, said Ryan. Oh, my God. He is like, <laughs> you going to get this Oakland. <laughs> and you are going to recognize yes. that I can be talented, yes. a genius. Yes. I can have vision. Mm. And I can also sound like I'm from around the way. Because that's where he's from, bro. <gasps> I just have so much respect for him in terms of, like, the work that he has done. Like, he has this incredible body of work, mm-hmm. which I think we should get out of the way, first of all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into like first proper. Right. One of the things I think about is how young he was when he made Fruitvale Station, mm-hmm. which is his debut feature film. Right. right? Um, and he was 25 years old when that movie came out in 2013. Right. What were you doing at 25, Nicole? Um, making really bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Shout out to Honesty because same. And here is someone who's kind of like, no, no, no. Here is a not only a good decision, mm-hmm. it's a fucking excellent decision. Mm-hmm. It's an astonishing movie. We've spoken a little bit about it because it starred Michael B. Jordan. Right. He was the first object from a few weeks back. Right. But let's talk about the director, the guy who kind of sat there and wrote it and made it. Right. And even though the story behind it, um, the death of Oscar Grant mm. on a BART train yep. in Oakland is about Oscar Grant. Yes. But Ryan Coogler made sure to give weight to the women around Oscar Grant. Right. You know, his um the the mother of his child, yes. his own mother. Yes. And it was so it was just so well done because a lot of times when young directors come out, young male directors come out mm. and they are telling a story that you know, it's kind of their own mm-hmm, <laughs> a little mm-hmm, bit. Mm-hmm. Women get relegated to girlfriend, to object of my desire, to just the mother that cries, you know, mm-hmm. when something happens. But in Fruitvale Station, we saw these characters have personalities and yeah. lives of their own. Yeah. And, and they, I, it was so striking. It was like, who is this man? Who is this man that is centering this particular story? And I think also in getting an actor like Octavia Spencer and Melanie Diaz to play these women mm-hmm. as well, there's like a real subtlety to the work that they're doing. And if, let's not forget that they are coming to life based on words written by mm-hmm. Ryan Coogler. Mm-hmm. So I think the far more interesting thing is not so much the the direction, which mm-hmm. I think is great. Like mm-hmm. you said, you know, many young men kind of come out and tell quote unquote their stories. Right. For me, it was the fact that this nuance was coming from the pen of a dude who wasn't kind of reducing their like their impact in Oscar's life right. and in just in life in general. Right. And that was so warming because, you know, I think we mentioned this before, I avoided the film initially because right. I thought, God, I don't want to 
I know it's going to be great, but I also don't want to kind of absorb black pain mm-hmm. and so on. Mm-hmm. And then you watch it and you think, yeah, it's horrifically sad mm-hmm. and it is anger making. Mm-hmm. But it's also just such a love letter yeah. to like one black person's life yeah. from another black person. Yeah. And that's just like incredibly moving. Yeah. And, you know, it. this gets into a tricky area where it's like, who can tell whose story? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it was crucial that Ryan Coogler from this town mm-hmm, mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. probably has experienced many of the same things that Oscar Grant had experienced leading up to the moment of his death mm-hmm. was able to write and direct this story. Yes, it means something. It really does. Yeah, we good, bro. We good, bro. They can hold us as long as we want, but they can't arrest us. We ain't do shit. I said we ain't do shit. Y'all can't fucking arrest us. Oh, yeah. Cuff these two assholes are going to jail. But fucking what? Even before I had seen him and, mm-hmm. and saw what he looked like, right. I was moved by the his ability to tell this story. Right. The idea of him was already yes. pretty kind of like, oh, who is this person? Yes. Right. And then he started doing appearances and talking. Yeah, he did. And his refusal to code switch. Mm-hmm. He was like, this is a product from Oakland. Mm-hmm. I'm from Oakland. Mm-hmm. You're going to get this Oakland. Right. All of it. Right. And don't doubt where I come from. Right. And I always think about this in... in it, a lot of the time, I think when people do code switch, mm-hmm. they're not necessarily aware that they're doing it. Right. So there's an understanding in place that, you know what, just to assimilate, I'm using that word very, very pejoratively, mm-hmm. like in order to fit in... Mm-hmm. I just am going to soften this part of myself or I'm going to kind of like gird up this part of myself mm-hmm, or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's, for the most part, a survival mechanism. Like right. many of us are just trying to get through the day, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. And I think about the ways in which we kind of flatten some of, some part of ourselves in order to kind of just make things a little bit smoother. Yeah. And so I don't know how intentional it is on Ryan's part to kind of be like, this is where I'm from and this is what I sound like. Mm-hmm. But I can say that I appreciate it so much because it just, it lends a certain kind of gravitas to kind of say, do you know what? This is what I sound like. This might be what you sound like or whatever your local variation mm-hmm. of this is. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to change a single thing. Like if you're, you know, we become aware of the things that we're changing right. slowly or whatever. So I wonder if there are any like young filmmakers or whoever out there and they see Ryan Coogler talking and they just kind of go, do you know what? It's fine. It's fine to have this dream. It's Mm -hmm. fine to have this idea. It's fine to sound like I do while Mm -hmm. I have all these dreams and these ideas. And everything's going to be okay. There is a potential. There's there's room for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And I think, uh, just a slight tangent, I think that's part of someone like Cardi B's charm. Mm. Now, it gets a little funny because sometimes it feels like people are laughing at her. Mm. Um, and I, I get defensive mm-hmm. about that and, you know, she's still learning how to be in the spotlight and yeah. things like that. But when you are just fully yourself, people are going to recognize that and right. their own issues with how you sound, their own, um, prejudices about accents mm-hmm. and who gets to sound like what kind of start to melt away. And it's, it's soft work, mm-hmm. but it's work all the same right, that we right. don't even know that we're, you know, participating in. Yeah. So to hear Ryan just be himself in these moments, um, like it's very inspiring. It's very inspirational. And I hope that someone out there recognizes that they can just be themselves. Right. And I have to say, just very quickly, since you brought up Cardi B, I will say also there is a massive difference between how we treat women and men who have these regional accents. But that's a story for mm. another day. And we'll see you on Twitter to discuss this. Anyway, <laughs> back to Ryan and his hot teddy bear face that I just want to smoosh. Can I talk about his beard? Because when I first saw him, <laughs> when he first started... 
like doing the press and you yeah. would see him and you'd be like, oh, who's that guy mm-hmm. next to that other hot black guy? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, I'm such a perv. So around the time that he was doing uh, the press for Fruitvale Station mm-hmm. with Michael B. Jordan, mm-hmm. um, so this was back in 2013, 2014. He, right. he had like, you know, just like a little bit of scruff on his chin, yeah. but like his cheeks were bare. Yeah. And he has quite a baby face. It's very kind of young looking and right. very, you know, it's a sweet face. And I remember thinking to myself, who is that guy? Mm-hmm. Like, huh? Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. Why do you look the way you look? You don't have to look like mm-hmm. this. Like, you can just be like some, old, yeah. you know, whatever. And instead he was like, no, I'm going to be vibrant and young, bitch. Lean in. <laughs> and I was like, I'm about to lean in. <laughs> and then when he was making Creed a few years later, he started growing out a beard. Right, yeah. Now, one of the things that actually endeared me to him, and this is like a constant joke on Black Twitter, is the fact that his beard appeared to grow in patchy. <laughs> I know, that was my reaction, followed by her. <laughs> but initially, it was like, look at your patchy beard. You're just... <laughs> I just wanted to like massage like oil into it. Like, Let me help you let it grow. I just... Oh, I. I found that so endearing and so hot. I just thought to myself, there is something incredibly cute and like, yes. not childlike, but just something very open and fresh about him. Yes. He seems like he's one of the guys that, you know, you're out with your girls, wherever, you know, not necessarily a club, but like some kind of event where it's just a bunch of black people, uh-huh. you know, with the girls and he's with his boys. And then, you know, y'all's groups kind of gravitate towards each other. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, you realize that you keep looking at him. He keeps looking at yeah, you. And then he yeah. finally like gets up the nerves and he's just like so sweet and respectful <laughs> with the way that he approaches you. But you could tell that there's like a little heat underneath it. Oh, I feel so like you're single. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> he really makes me think of those 25 year old mistakes I used to make. <laughs> Oh my God, I'm rubbing my chest. <laughs> All I'm saying is, summer soon come. If I don't get one fake Ryan Coogler interaction this summer, I'm suing the city. I just want you to know, be prepared. There's going to be a nuisance lawsuit in the courts this summer because I will be suing. Oh my God. There's just something just, about him. Yeah, he's adorable, but also like, again, that heat, there's like some little spice underneath and it's just like, but he knows when to let it out so he's not, he doesn't seem creepy and we've had so many experiences with men who have just, you know, revealed themselves to be a creep and Mm -hmm. it's just like, please, Ryan, just stay sweet like this. I want to talk now a little bit about his longest standing kind of collaborative relationship Mm -hmm. so far. Michael B. Jordan right, yeah. and Ryan Coogler, they've worked together for so many projects. Mm-hmm. And they've got a new one coming up. It's written by Tanahasi Coates mm-hmm. based on like a story in The New Yorker from a few years ago. It's yeah. about a, a test cheating scandal in a, in a school in Atlanta. Right. And it's called Wrong Answer, mm-hmm. which I think already I'm like, yes, I'm in. But he has this relationship. It's kind of like it's very brotherly, mm-hmm. but not bro-y. And I want to make that very clear. They are brothers, not bros. Yeah. I hate the word bromance. Mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, weirdly reductive and it's kind of like, you know, weirdly heteronormative and just, ugh, it's horrible. Yeah. But I do enjoy the closeness that there appears to be between Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan. And mm-hmm. I think the two of them do something where when they come together, they bring forth a certain kind of very specific chemistry mm-hmm. and magic. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited that in my lifetime, I am able to see, to observe, and to kind of cease the growth of 
a great collaborative pair. Like I remember thinking when I was younger and like was really getting into film, I wish I'd been around for like Scorsese and Robert De Niro. Mm. Like, can you imagine the two of them at the height of their powers? Blah mm-hmm. blah blah. And now here I am in my thirties and I'm seeing such a relationship. And this time it's between two black men. Right. That is thrilling to me. Right. So I love the way Ryan talked about meeting Michael B. Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gave this interview to Time and he was, you know, they were asking about how, you know, this this guy's become your frequent collaborator mm-hmm. and how did that kind of happen? And he talks about meeting Michael for the first time. And here's something he says, we'll put a link to this on our Tumblr, by the way. And he says, um, I met with him and it was one of those meetings where as soon as you meet with somebody, you kind of connect. We connected about our parents because we both have very close relationships with our parents from similar environments. Mike's from Newark. I'm from the East Bay area. Similar cultural politics, similar conflict in the places we're coming from. We're both former athletes. Yeah, you are. <clears throat> we have similar tastes in film and books. And then once we got to work on Fruitvale, we were in the foxhole of independent filmmaking. We realized that we both had a similar style of working as well. Now, the filthy part of me is kind of like, I bet you do. But the other part of me that recognizes kind of like that joy that happens when you meet someone who appears to be your equal and also someone who will spur you onto greater things there is a specific kind of fire that that lights mm-hmm, in your belly. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to just do a quick shout out to uh, my co-host, Nicole Perkins, <laughs> who, listen, we haven't made a creed, but I feel like we make a mini creed every time we step into this studio. I mean, come on. Listen. And we mentioned this um, briefly in the Michael B. Jordan episode, but you can see Ryan's mentorship mm. in what Michael B. Jordan is doing. And you can see that Ryan has this symbiotic relationship with everybody that he works with where mm-hmm. they feed each other and they learn from each other and it's nothing that seems to be one-sided only where right. they're just giving him whatever they're supposed to be giving him and then he's just like, okay, great, thanks, I made this movie and it's all me. Right. You know? I, it's just incredible. So it's like you have this beautiful, cute little teddy bear sex being <laughs> who is also <laughs> talented and smart and generous. Yes, yes. Yes. Sorry. That was like, <laughs> that was my fake Meg Ryan impression. But I mean that. Like, the, the building blocks just keep building a more substantial yes. structure. And yes. you're like, how? How? How is he so apparently perfect? And the answer is sometimes you don't have to know the how. You just have to enjoy what is. What? What is, what is this word you are dropping up in here today? Bim! <laughs> they call me Pastor Bim, where I come from. It's just real. It's real. And they're very affectionate with each other, which we don't often see mm. in public mm-hmm. um, and from celebrities anyway this way. So there's this picture on Variety that got this weird Twitter backlash for some yeah. reason. This is um, like back in 2016, right? Yeah, yeah. So they're on the cover of Variety. It's a black and white photo. Michael is facing the camera. Ryan is kind of leaning into him like mm-hmm. they're hugging and... Michael has his hand on the back of Ryan's head, mm-hmm. kind of towards the top of it. But like he's trying to like either bring him in for a deeper hug or even if you want to go there for a kiss. Mm-hmm. Right. And so people are like, oh, no, are they gay? You know, having all these <sighs> weird, terrible, homophobic reactions. Yep. And it's like, why can't black men, why can't men mm-hmm. be affectionate towards each other? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not doesn't mean anything beyond this is my brother. Right. You know, <laughs> like right. and even if it did. Your in your instinctive like rage, right? Because I, I saw lots of comments that you know people kind of were writing very frenziedly, and mm-hmm. you know like oh the emasculation of the black man continues, and I was like wait, we can't have affection, we yeah. can't have like soft tender touches between friends. Yeah, what the fuck, man? Like how deep is your damage? And the answer is of course for many people quite deep. 
So much so that you cannot see this clearly lovely, also fantastically shot photograph mm-hmm. of two beautiful young black men mm-hmm. who are just holding each other dear. And that somehow triggers some kind of weird, like homophobic reaction in you. Yeah. Like, so you need, you know, we need a good number of conversations to be happening around this kind of thing anyway but again that's what hypermasculinity toxic masculinity does right just robs moments of joy and just makes them into like these kind of sites of conflict there's a great interview that he gave to mtv that i really really love they're asking him about you know his this relationship he has with michael b jordan mm-hmm. and how you know basically about the film and the woman uh, who's interviewing him kind of asks about you know what did michael bring to what did Michael bring to playing Killmonger? I mean, Mike brought Mike. You know, Mike, Mike is, um, is an incredibly talented, experienced actor. You know, he's very charismatic. I think he, I think he triggers empathy, you know, like, like, like uh, in, a, in a way that's very uncanny, you know. Um, but, 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 I mean, I, I, also what he brings is, like, uh, he's very competitive, and he brings, like, a, a, just an insane work ethic, you know what I mean, and, and a consistency uh, uh, that, that's really great to, 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 to have on the set. Sorry, I've got good folks. So sweet. <laughs> That's the thing. He's so sweet and so passionate, uh-huh. and he's just so. He seems so sincere. Yes. Uh, yes. I just. I just want to just. Uh, <laughs> 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 and he's filthy auntie laughs. Wow. Wow. That wasn't even scripted. That's exactly how I feel, Nicole. We see each other. Yes. <laughs> the pub in me recognizes the pub in you. Yes. And the thing about Ryan that makes him even more different than previous um, directors that have kind of risen, mm. you know, in Hollywood, is that he works all the time with women. Yes. Oh. All the time. Every I mean, single one of his projects. And not like this is a special thing because I'm responding right. to, you know, trends or uh-huh, whatever. Uh-huh. This is what he's been doing from the beginning. Right. And I think about just the way he does that. And I want to make it very, very clear that I don't think he's doing this for me. But it's a wondrous aphrodisiac. Carry on, Nicole. <laughs> he knows that working with women as uh, his cinematographer, as um, his assistants, whatever... They help his work be better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's talked about um, the fact that he used to play football. Yes. And many people have said that he approaches directing like he's a coach and not the quarterback. Mm. So he recognizes that filming is a team effort. And he wants to make sure that everybody on the team is taken care of, that they're doing their job, that they have what they need, and that he is using his team he's using his team members to the best of their abilities. And he has to realize that he's not the only one, you know, on the field. He's the one who helps make things happen mm. or whatever. But as a coach, he has to give up his ego and right. let the team do the work. And that is I think the most striking thing that there seems to be a refreshing lack of ego. Like this man just kind of goes, what's going to give us the best results? Mm-hmm. And then he just gets to it. And he was talking with Variety about uh, his work with um, the French cinematographer Maurice Alberti. Uh, and they worked together on Creed. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was saying how he he was interested because he saw that she had 
done like a lot of documentaries mm-hmm. and he was like i wonder why and that minimum interest in just i wonder why she's done so many documentaries mm-hmm. bearing in mind you know she's done a couple of films here and there but so many documentaries in her past and basically he said this thing to variety which i love he said um i wanted to know what her story was i wanted to know why she did so many documentaries so i talked to a few people that she worked with and she had such an incredible story but basically she kind of made a choice that when she had a son she chose to do more documentaries so she could be around more which i thought was really cool and I thought to myself, again, not doing it for cookies, but kind of like, let me understand my potential collaborator. Let me see what drives them and then work from that base knowledge. Right. And that, again, I'm just kind of like, it seems like m- more people would do this, mm-hmm. but you'd be surprised at how few people actually do. Right. And he didn't take that as a mark against her that she was trying to be a working mother. He right. was like, oh, that makes sense. Uh-huh. Let me see how I can help with her life in some kind of way. Exactly. You know, he didn't try to use that to punish her. Exactly. And he chose to work with her because his regular cinematographer, which is to say Rachel Morrison, who works with him on Fruitvale, mm-hmm. was pregnant at the time that he was making Creed. Oh, my God. And I just thought to myself, do you know what? <laughs> at that point, I removed my bra and threw it at the computer screen. Like, it's yours, Ryan. Take it. Like, how... How can somebody be so perfect? And and then in talking about, you know, Maurice, he kind of says she sees the world in a unique way. She's one of the most open-minded people I've ever met. At the same time, she's very strong and she's always looking for story, which is always great to have in collaborators. And I was like, Ryan, I have a story too, fam. Come through <laughs> in it. And then he also talks about his friendship with Ava DuVernay mm-hmm. and the two of them kind of, you know, they met at, I think, Sundance. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of saying about, there was a joint interview in Vulture mm-hmm. um, with the two of them. And they asked, you know, how far back they went. And he was like, yeah, we met in 2013. Obviously, I'd seen her work. I was like, you know, I knew who she was. And this is my favorite thing. He says, it was a ticketing lobby at Sundance. And I was there with my first feature film, Fruitvale. Ava was there in the lobby. And we kind of recognized each other from photos. She came up. We gave each other a big hug and started talking. And it's been like that ever since. I love it. I love it. My heart. Oh, I just I just love I love him and I love how comfortable he is with kind of ceding control and power yes. to women. And yes. he says this all the time, as he did again in another variety interview where he was like, put it on the record. It's true, bro. In film school, like whatever, women are equipped to do this job in many ways better than us. They're infinitely more complex than we are, stronger and sharper. And I just think and then he ends that whole quote with they just need to be given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself again. None of the things that Ryan Coogler says sound like he's on a cookie hunting expedition. Right. They just happen to be factually correct. Right. And he's just a mouthpiece for the facts, in it? <laughs> and that, for me, is the number one thing I look for in a partner. I don't know about you, but I just want to I just want to be correct with him. You know, <laughs> mm. that's a nice euphemism. Thank you. I'm a wordsmith. <laughs> So, Nicole, you mentioned that Ryan has this ability, uh, kind of uncanny, Mm -hmm. of kind of reaching out to people and having those people kind of reach back so that what develops is a kind of symbiosis where Mm -hmm. everyone is getting something. Let's talk about how that manifests in Black Panther. Oh, yeah. Because it's a big old ensemble. Right. Huge. Right. And you know what? Now that we're talking about I'm just now realizing that I did not feel like anybody got shorted. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's storytelling. I mean, yeah. okay, I, I personally can say that I feel like if only they'd given us... I mean, I'm sure this wasn't down to Ryan because obviously we've seen some of the deleted scenes from Black Panther. So right. we know that they were filmed. They just got cut for time or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that did stick in my craw, mm-hmm. genuinely, was the lack of... And this, and that's how I know it wasn't Ryan that mm-hmm. kind of cut this out. 
But the fact that we never really had anything about Killmonger's mother. Oh, right. That always bugged me. And I was like, this is not what Ryan would do. Yeah. Like, fuck you, Marvel. But right. that's okay because he explained it in like the deleted scene. Mm-hmm. You know, she was in jail. She died alone, and that's part of the, you know, the reason mm-hmm. why like Killmonger was so abandoned and mm. so alone, which is very, very sad. That film, for me, also was this kind of other thing of, like, this is a man who started off in indie filmmaking, mm-hmm. has done, like, one studio thing, Creed, and it's mm-hmm. kind of studio, and it's part of, like, a long line, it's a franchise in the mm-hmm. way. And yes, Marvel is in the same kind of franchise vein, and yet, Black Panther felt like a standalone movie yeah. within the universe. yeah. And that was down to, because he co-wrote the script. Right. And he directed it. And he was so clearly involved in the research of it Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And it shows. And I just, I want to just kind of applaud what happens when you work hard on a project with the people that you know are going to bring their best to the project. And you see the result up on screen. You see how it pleases everyone. It's just, it's a lot. He wrote this letter to his fans, you know, people who made Black Panther the massive success that it wasn't. Of course, it was published on Essence, which I just thought, of course, (laughs) we know a real one when we see him. And it's just beautiful. I'm just, I'm so proud of him. It was obvious that he asked his cast members for their input. There are a lot of cast members who are African. Right. um, And so I feel like he trusted their experiences and asked them for input. I don't know, you know, necessarily if that's true, but it Mm. seems that way. Particularly in the way that the cast members respected him and and praise him. Yeah. You know? they don't have to. They don't have to. But you could tell there was a lot of trust between him and the actors on set. And I, it's so rare to see that. There's a great gif of Ryan Coogler with Danai Gurira, who plays uh, General Okoye, head of the Dora. Mm-hmm. And it's from one of the scenes, from behind the scenes footage. Mm-hmm. And he clearly kind of gives her some kind of direction or whatever. And they bump fists. Yeah. And then she replies, I got you. And then they kind of go away. And that gif for me, like it's saturated with color. Like she's wearing her resplendent red and gold. And mm-hmm. he's just like looking like a director in like civilian clothes. And I, I love that. It's such a warm... Like, I feel like I'm in the gif Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm just letting it wash over me. And he looks like he's kind of like, I know, obviously, he's not bowing to deny, (laughs) but he looks like he's receptive. And he's just kind of like, listen, I trust you to do the thing that you are trained to do. Yeah. The same way you trust me to do the thing I'm trained to do. Let's work together. It is so refreshing and hot. I mean, I can't let go of the thirst. I can't. (laughs) And it's like sometimes when you see these behind the scene moments with a director giving notes or whatever, um, they don't wait for acknowledgement. They don't wait to make sure that the actor has received it, that the actor understands, that the actor is going to implement those notes. They just like, hear the notes, do it. I'm back behind the camera right. or whatever. But he seems to really wait to make sure that his actors understand yeah. what he's what he's asking for. Folks who are familiar with um, uh, the concept of Pan-Africanism, the Pan-African flag is... is is uh, red, black, and green. So when you see T'Challa, and Nakia, and Aquae in their covert looks, you know you, you see the colors of the, of the Pan African flag. That reminds me mm-hmm. of the way other directors, his peers, recognize his eye, his vision, and they they admit that they're a little jealous that they wish they had you know done what he has done. Right. Um, specifically, I'm going to play this clip where um, an interviewer on a press junket for Black Panther mentions to Ryan that the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guaranino, wanted to have produced <laughs> Creed and Black Panther. The director of Call Me By Your Name um, told Luca. us, yeah, Luca, he told us that he wishes he could have directed um, Black Panther and Creed, actually. What? Um, yeah, yeah. In the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, um, oh he said he's god. sad that he couldn't do those films. Um, oh my god! Would you like to have directed <laughs> "Call Me by Your Name"? Man, that's a lovely movie, man. Lovely movie. It, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because that script has been around for for a while. Like, like, um, but but but, I mean, I don't think I could have done as good a job as he did. You know what I mean? I think he was coming from that from 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 the. I think he was coming from that from a very specific perspective. You know, um, and and. and you know, I'm I'm happy that I'm happy that he made I'm happy that he made that movie and not not me. You know, because um, I don't think I could frankly I could have done a good as, as good a job as he did. Wow. <laughs> okay. I mean, beyond like his voice yeah. and you know, but also just his enthusiasm with yeah. finding out that Luca was like he's a fan. Yes. Oh my god. So precious. That's exactly it. And the other thing is, I just love how quickly he. Like he doesn't hesitate to kind of be like, rah, that's that's cool. Like yeah. you know, like I want to be considered. Like I know I'm doing a good job, mm-hmm. but you know, it never hurts to hear someone tell you that they're jealous of the work that you've made, and you're like, you know what? Thanks, fam. I really <laughs> put my heart and soul into that. I'm so glad you saw that. But I love how enthusiastic he is. I also love that his voice is such a sibilant voice. Mm-hmm. So he does lots of ah. Uh, when he says perspective. <laughs> In that clip, my whole my heart kind of did like a like a tumble, like a triple salco in my chest. <laughs> I just I, I I adore the way he speaks, and I think the way his words come out seems to me to be how his brain works, mm-hmm. where he is kind of like tripping over the words to get them yeah. out in the like he's just kind of like so enthusiastic, and he yeah. knows he wants to say this stuff, so he says it. So he he often repeats himself yeah. um, in in interviews, which I find really endearing. Ryan, we hope that you are out there mentoring everybody. I feel like we have done like 500% more exhalations today. Just lots of, expe- <laughs> we're just like expelling a lot of, <sighs> <laughs> that's how Ryan Kugler makes us feel. Shout out to looks and talent and all of it wrapped up in this wonderful package. Generosity and kindness. Wow. Oh my God. The hottest things. And shout out to his black wife. Hey, mm. listen, we don't talk about your personal <laughs> life like that on this here show. But can I just say, shout out to black love. You know what time it is? I do know what time it is. Tell our listeners. It is travel time. Hey, 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 <laughs> um, whew, I had a lot of fun with Ryan this week. Um, we wish. We clearly wish. Okay. I'm braced. I'm relaxed. Okay. I am receptive. <laughs> I am open. Give it to me. <laughs> That's what he said. Oh, my God. Okay. I didn't know what else to do. I went downstairs to Ryan's office. He had a company. They were working on storyboarding a new film. He looked up and saw my face and immediately excused himself. He stepped out into the hallway, and I wordlessly handed him the home pregnancy test. What? He looked down at it, then in my eyes again, and turned his head to the office, his eyes never leaving mine. All right, everybody, y'all gotta go. I'm sorry. Some shit is happening, and I need to take care of it. He pushed the test into his jeans pocket and covered it with his T-shirt. He pulled me against him as his colleagues left, silently making sure they acknowledged me in their goodbyes. Oh, God. When they were gone, he smoothed a hand over my belly and kissed it. Then he hugged me and put his mouth just below my ear and said, thank you for trusting me with us. 
Wow! 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 What a specific kink! Oh my gosh! Wow. I just feel like Ryan Coogler. Uh huh. Finish that sentence. Would be an incredible father and incredible through the process, the whole pregnancy. You know, like I do, and like I do. he could see, see your I face. See you know, he's in the middle of a meeting. He sees that your face, something's happening. He's uh-huh. like, "Fuck y'all, I gotta handle yeah, this right receptive. here." Yeah, yeah, I get it. Whew. I get it. I felt that travel in Mashonda. Mm. Okay, yeah. we're doing like a full load. Production. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just just beam me <laughs> onto the film screen of his life. Oh That's what I want. Wow. Oh my gosh. I just I find it just incredibly arousing. <laughs> just the idea of someone respecting me, looking me in the eye, and just. <laughs> treating me like an equal wow wow <laughs> this is the podcast that makes you think and makes you think oh god all right i'm gonna go for mine yeah. uh, sadly there were no pregnancy tests in my uh <laughs> there were no pregnancy tests i'm shocked i didn't think to put that into my travel but i somehow did not come to that conclusion however i've also maintained a world in which ryan remains someone who is thoughtful mm-hmm. about, you know, his work and his films and yeah. his life in okay, general. Okay. So I'm ready. here we go. I just can't get over 355. Ryan was shaking his head as he spoke. I'd only recently introduced him to Why the Last Man and he'd finally finished the series. That was it? Just like that? His face crinkled adorably. I gave him my best I told you so expression and laughed. I told you, I said. As averse to spoilers as I was, I had warned him of an abrupt seeming wind down of one of the storylines and I told him to brace himself. Clearly he hadn't. I know why it happened. He was still talking because that's (laughs) the only way it could work. Given the setup, he paused when he noticed my continued silence and looked up at my face. And you already know this. He smiled knowingly as he met my patient expression. Of course, of course, you know this. What would you change? I asked if this were your story to tell, what would you change? Ryan's eyes lit up, as if he had been waiting for me to ask. He almost stumbled over his words. The ideas were coming so fast, and his accent became especially thick, as it always did when he was enthused. Mm. I liked to watch him work, relaxed and sure, secure in one of his true happy places. That would make more sense, right? He asked eventually. I grabbed his face by the cheeks, and I smushed my nose to his indulgently. It would make sense, I said, and I meant it. Now kiss me, Otto. <laughs> they call me Sweet Cheeks Bim because I write sweet travels. <sighs> okay, Ryan. Oh my gosh, Ryan, you have broken us. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, who? How? How? Just like, Ugh. you got a cousin or something? Right. Just congrats <laughs> on your everything, Ryan Cooper. You just, you're winning at life, and I'm proud to even just tangentially be on the same earth as you. <sighs> I keep holding my face. I can I'm see. Just, you're just... really warm in the face. You've gone quite red. Oh, man. I love me some Ryan Coogler. Is it, is it the pregnancy hormones? Maybe. <laughs> Shit. Oh, my God. All right. That'll do. Um, <laughs> all right. So we're going to let y'all have a day to sit with these drabbles. Sure. <laughs> and then you're going to vote for us. Uh, yeah. One of us. Even though, like Bim always says, everyone is a winner here. Everyone's a winner, baby. That's the truth. So look for our poll on Twitter. Yep. At Thursday Hit and vote and then just keep re-listening to the episode and right. getting your life right and send us your drabbles don't forget that as well you can send them to thirstaykit at buzzfeed.com and we will do our best uh, to feature 
them on the show. Uh, rest assured, however, we read every single one and you are all filthy and disgusting and <laughs> wonderful and we love you. Thursday Kit is produced by us, Bim Adewunmi and Nicole Perkins, Julia Fralan and TK Dutez. Our music is by Tanya Morgan. You can follow the show on Twitter at Thirst Aid Kit, and we're there too. Tennessee Whiskey Woman, that's whiskey with an E, and Bimadew, B-I-M-A-D-E-W. Plus, we're on Tumblr at thirstaidkitpodcast.tumblr.com. You can send us questions there, and we might even answer them. Who knows? If you're looking to diversify your first portfolio, you need us. So contact the first sommelier by calling and leaving a very brief message on 765 765- 884-4778 that's 7658 first we love you for listening and we like ratings and reviews so why don't you head over to apple podcast and leave us a review it'll help other people find us and personally we love five stars and if you live tweet your listen please use the hashtag tacpod that's t-a-k-p-o-d and feel free to send us an email detailing everything that you loved at firstaidkit at buzzfeed.com Don't forget to stay thirsty while also staying hydrated in this heat. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. Man. Wow. Listen, Ryan Coogler, if you have some cousins who are available, (laughs) single. Yes. And around the New York area. Yeah. So the number is 212. (laughs) We'll tell you the rest of the air.